0: Hello everybody, Lou Dobbs here. Welcome to the Great America Show and thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us. We're beginning today with a bright and sunny story about the NBA. One of my favorite sports analysts, Jason Whitlock, pointing out that the NBA All-Star Game hit an all-time new low. An all-time new low in TV ratings for that game and Whitlock's assessment that the reason for the dismal performance is none other than LeBron James. Now, I'm sure LeBron's pro-China and oh-so-critical view of America certainly doesn't help the league, but I'm sure he's a big boost in China. China is the source of some of the ingredients that go into the Mexican cartel's manufacture of fentanyl that's killed hundreds of thousands of Americans. That's right, hundreds of thousands of Americans, and Joe Biden is in Ukraine A photo op in Ukraine. Is this nuts or what? And it's getting worse. A drug testing company discovers that fentanyl has risen nine times the level in the Western states since 2020. The researchers at Millennium Health say fentanyl is detected in overall drug tests and it's up nationwide 145%. Let's go international for a moment here. The Biden regime continues to marginalize our national sovereignty. And Biden is turning over the U.S. Public Health Authority in pandemics to the U.N. World Health Organization. Now that's brilliant, don't you think? By the way, while going international, the United Nations is, quote, demanding, end quote, global guidelines for social media. A UNESCO spokesman referred to users who don't use appropriate speech on social media as, quote, insects thriving in the dark, end quote. Now that seems a little offensive, doesn't it? And it's really more of an accurate description of what the bureaucrats in the United Nations are all about. Those UN bureaucrats are devoid of any sense of their own absurdity, so we'll help them along here. The problem is our own homegrown federal bureaucrats aren't any better than the U.N. style. There is a bright, beautiful event awaiting all of America. All of us who've watched our federal government be turned into a weapon against us over the years. The outrageous, extraordinary powers that have enabled Biden and the Marxist Dems to do so much of their damage to the country. It's about to end. President Biden announcing our long national COVID emergency is almost over. And it will be over on May 11th, more than three years after the China virus reached America from Wuhan. It's hard to comprehend that this country is still in the suspension of civil rights called a national emergency. Harder still to realize that it's been in place since March of 2020 and more than three years when the emergency expires, on May 11th. Our guest today is the inventor of mRNA vaccines, a great research scientist, physician, virologist, and vaccine skeptic and dissenter as well. Dr. Robert Malone is our guest, and great to have you with us on the Great America Show, Doctor. And so much is happening, the Biden White House says the national emergency ends May 11th. What are your thoughts, Doctor?
1: Well, of course, all of us, uh, in in my little doctor's group that tour the world, would like to have seen this uh, months ago. Uh, we think that it should have been over early part of last year. Glad to see it finally get to this point. Bobby Kennedy, over a year ago, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, said that they will never give up this power unless we force them to. And I guess that forcing function was called an election, in which the House turned, and. Uh, so we're finally seeing this. It's unfortunate that he could just continues to delay I mean, a lot of us believe that it's obviously long past due and he should have just said, uh, pack it up we're done. Uh, instead of this, but they have a bunch of uh, obligations and trailers embedded in all this and. I think he's guaranteed that he's going to give at least 30 or 60 days to unwind a lot of that, because once this emergency declaration falls, that triggers a whole cascade of other stuff.
0: Uh, and that, and uh, giving up, uh, as you, as you quote, uh, you know, Mr. Kennedy, uh, the the reality is that a lot of power uh, goes away as well. Uh, the The issue here that rose up along with a host of others is the over overweening power of the federal government under this emergency, the mandates, all that went with it. This is something from which it's going to take us a while to recover as a country. Uh, Now there seems to be some dispute about what uh, an airline can demand in terms of masking, uh, and I'm sure that's going to r- arise in a number of jurisdictions, whether it be a municipality or uh, you know a state government. Uh, your thoughts on all of that i and I, as I turn to you for that, you know, it seems to me that if we have not learned our lesson about government mandates, I don't know what it will take.
1: Completely agree, and unfortunately, what you and I and the people around us uh, think seems to be uh, completely, Um, uh, disregarded by the folks that are actually making the decision. They really don't care about us. That's what we've learned over the last three years. And that's what we're seeing, you know, for instance, in parallel to this statement from Mr. Biden or whoever makes decisions in that administration, uh, we have, yeah, I I don't want to make assumptions here. Uh, We have the World Health Organization making a clear, unambiguous statement that we still have an ongoing global health crisis. So the two are now at odds with each other, and uh, both of them and their, what appears to be the puppet masters that uh, like to head to Davos for a little winter fling, uh, none of them seem to care about what what matters to people average people they seem to believe that they're above that and they can just disregard this we we, we as you you and I, I think are aligned that we got a big problem here and it's a bigger problem than just covid and uh it's it's absolutely not going away if i can tell an anecdote lou so sure. i fly I, I travel way too much these days and uh so I find myself uh, booking into United Airlines, not pumping them, uh, believe me, uh, but uh, signing onto their little app so I can get my pass, travel pass. And suddenly they have reloaded all of the old uh, restriction travel pass uh, vaccine validation software that had dropped off for quite a while. And uh, then I head it over to Europe and I'm flying through Lufthansa. Uh, out of Stockholm, and I'm given the question, well, are you fully vaccinated? Uh, You can't get into Frankfurt unless uh, you've been vaccinated. So it seems that they may be talking this talk. But in parallel, they're they're teeing up the same old stuff. And of course, we know that that is all wrapped around this G20 statement that we're going to have to have vaccine passports. Yeah, and, uh, and G20 is not running the
0: United States of America. I, I do not understand why there is has been this acquiescence, uh, fawning acquiescence on the part of the Biden administration uh, to these uh, extra-governmental uh, organizations, uh, whether it's a G7, the G20, uh, whether it's uh, you know, Geneva this or Geneva that. Uh, this this is an absurdity that we're witnessing here.
1: They they I comp- we are so aligned. They seem to have just forfeited national sovereignty, and they're just rolling over like a puppy, saying "scratch my belly," uh, and and wanting to basically put the United States in the same position. That and this is what's particularly curious. All the other Five Eyes Alliance members have taken, you know, this is Great Britain, Canada, uh, United States, New Zealand, and Australia, all are on track to become functionally client states of the World Economic Forum. And, and they just they just seem, our leadership seems to all be okay with that. And if, if you want a demonstration to support the thesis that this is really a uniparty we're dealing with, the way that both sides of the aisle have dealt with this is, I think, a really strong support for that thesis.
0: Yeah, I think you're, I think you're very, very, very much correct. Uh, the, the idea of the Five Eyes, people forget who was in, implicated uh, in the early days of the, the Russian collusion story. Five Eyes had a number of significant uh, actors uh, in that little drama. We have to figure out a way to extricate ourselves from the very idea that this country will defer to anyone in terms of our sovereignty. The problem is that the Marxist Dems are too eager to do so, and the Republicans are simply too passive to take much note uh, and and resist. So that uh, becomes our quandary, doesn't it? um
1: i i i i wish that it was that benign um I fear that uh it is it is much more a case of where a significant fraction of republican leadership are um, are basically already endorsing and invested in the logic that is being put forth by the globalists and by the World Economic Forum and and, uh, the major powers behind the WEF, which is these major transnational financial companies like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, and and Bank of America, Um, that we're now, as you know (laughs) better than I, we've basically sold our children, our children's children, and our children's children's children Uh, to these uh, very large transnational firms uh, in the form of our indebtedness here in the United States. And we're right on track to being in the same position that almost all of Europe is, where they have no political operational latitude because they are so deeply indebted. And all they can do is nibble around at the edges on social issues because they're, they are completely handcuffed in any functional way to, to modify policy. They have to just do whatever the overlords, the financial overlords tell them to do. You know, when you say
0: debt, people forget. Uh, and it's an interesting, uh, I'll put it this way, an, an interesting artifice to talk about Germany and France and the UK as great economies and amongst the largest in the, in the world, which they are. Uh, But it's inconvenient when we look at the European Union and the Eurozone uh, in combination, 27 nations uh, that whose economy combines to be to rival that of China uh, and indeed the United States. The Europeans, by the way, have less debt than we do uh, now. And we are the ones shipping billions of dollars to Ukraine. We are also deferring uh, to the UK, it looks like, and the European Union uh, on, on re- simply allowing our constitutional rights, including the, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, to be uh, diluted uh, and perhaps dissolved uh, by, the, by the forces at work globally uh, and particularly in Europe. So, I mean, that's what is happening uh, in in this country. We can talk about Davos and and it's interesting and I think relevant, uh, and I think relevant, but I don't think it really captures uh, the reality of what we're watching. Because as you talk about these transnational corporations, we are watching Wall Street, what used to be corporate America, which is now corporate globalist uh, corporations, they are dominating. And when we talk about big pharma, uh we're we're reaching up to another level entirely aren't we
1: uh dead on um i'd like to introduce in this discussion that we're just having right now where we're really looking at geopolitics and the relationship between us europe and and some of these other large uh rising uh, economies and rising um uh military forces uh I, the other day i had a podcast with a gentleman from the UK, went on for about an hour. He's well-respected, has a good audience out there. And he asked me the question about this new uh, initiative to drop the borders between Canada, the United States, and Mexico, and create one great big nation state. Mm -hmm. And, And I went through the history of that as something that had been you know, gently floated under Bush one and then resoundingly denied as a a uh, conspiracy theory. And then we had uh, Mr. Clinton uh, roll out NAFTA, which was like an incrementalism towards that objective. And now over the last six months, we're hearing uh, a lot of chatter that seems to be aimed at normalizing the idea of a new nation north american nation state that would combine canada the united states and mexico and of course if that happens uh, goodbye constitution yeah it's by the way bush
0: wasn't really so gentle about it uh, he, that was a plan it was um, it was blown up and i'm pleased to say that i was among those bringing a lot of attention to it at that point the north american union is it was styled uh, we also saw the communique from López Obrador, Trudeau, and Biden uh, here a month ago in which they embraced the North American Union without saying union, but that's exactly what they mean. It's one of the reasons I think that motivates uh, those borders uh, that uh, between uh, the United States uh, and uh, Mexico in particular, uh, having been just simply uh It's just more than an imaginary line now, 2,000 miles of imaginary line over which uh, are coming literally millions and millions of people each year uh, without us knowing anything about it, making any sort of political judgment, and certainly no hearings, are there? no
1: and in if you wanted to design a strategy a political strategy to destroy the middle class you would be hard pressed to come up with a more effective one and then there is the um fentanyl etc that's flooding across what's paradoxical about this is canadians still can't come to the united states unless they're fully jabbed there's still barriers to entry across i have friends that have uh, property here in the United States and in Florida that would love to visit it, but they haven't been able to for three years, and they still can't. Uh, the whole thing—it's—it's like—is there anybody home? Uh, in terms of overall policy, I think this is what happens when you have a kind of a, a president in abstention, uh, being gentle again, uh, or a cartel. And, yeah, and and um, you're allowing. Uh, Individual agencies or interest groups within those agencies to set policy in lieu of having a true uh, president um, that that is able to uh, create harmonized uh, policy uh, for the for the United States. I I think this is uh, an example, again, of a power vacuum and what happens.
0: Yeah, I I've said it this way. President Trump's great offense uh, and the reason that he riled up the, the dark forces of the deep state uh, was because he thought he was in charge as president of the United yes, States. Yeah. Uh, and, and that simply wouldn't do. Uh, he, he is. Uh, and that was his, his, his great crime against the, the, the nation for which he was impeached twice. Special counsels were formed. Uh, now we're in the seventh year of investigation and persecution of president Trump. Not one instance of wrongdoing found, but we have found l- <laughs> the, you know, the halls of uh, courtrooms are littered with the shadows of uh, deep staters and, and marxist dims who who did broke a lot of laws. Uh, it, it's really remarkable, and on it goes the national media. It, it's yes. very difficult to get a straight <laughs> a straight answer about. Uh, where we are with this pandemic Uh-oh. where we are with a virus yeah. uh, and I know that you're in the, that you provide nothing but straight answers and I appreciate that I want to just go through a few thoughts if you will as we talk we've talked about the context for all of this where is it in your judgment this this pandemic uh is it in its last stages in your best judgment is it in in, in fact, uh, something that uh, we're going to simply have to live with, as some are suggesting, it's the new normal. Uh, give us your your prognosis, if you will.
1: Um, uh, it's not just me; it's the group of physicians uh, over seventeen thousand that I represent—physicians and medical scientists—that this is long since past being a medical emergency. Let's remember, you know, roll back to the genesis of this. We were told based on modeling uh, that occurred in Imperial College in London, as well as propaganda that was pushed from the CCP into the West, that this was a highly lethal pathogen. We were going to see people dying on the streets. It was a huge catastrophe. We had to shut down elective procedures in hospitals. We had to give hospitals financial incentives so they would go bankrupt. Uh, And uh, we had to open all this bed space because they were going to be overwhelmed. And uh, to that, you know, to that point, there's uh, videos out there right now with ER staff dancing in the halls uh, from those times just to roll back. There was absolutely not a major load on bed capacity in the United States, even at the peak, except for a couple of small, you know, urban areas, selected urban areas. But for the most part, this was never a medical emergency. It was always overhyped. And now this has been the case. If you've tracked, any of you have tracked open beds in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, there we have absolutely no crisis. The only logic that there was a crisis back then was that we would overwhelm the beds and then we would have a a spike in mortality because we wouldn't be able to handle the the pressure of people that need to be treated of course the people were being treated using protocols that basically killed them uh through over ventilation the use of remdesivir so that was then and fast forward to today remember it's uh a year and a month ago that I was on Ingram saying Omicron is going to completely change the landscape here. And uh, now that's absolutely played out. Most people have been infected, they've recovered. They know this is not the great uh, um, monster that they were pitched to be. And uh, if you have access to early treatment, docs that actually care for you and treat your symptoms, your survival rate is quite high, even if you are in one of those high-risk groups. So this has really never been a major medical emergency. And it's absolutely has not been one here in the United States for a very long time. It's been preserved largely for political and power reasons. And it's great to see it finally coming down, but somehow, We've got to make it so that this is not possible for a president or a secretary of HHS to unilaterally shut down the American economy based on whatever they happened to believe at the time, remembering that the New York Times itself last February published an article in which they explicitly said the CDC has been withholding data and has become a politicized arm of the White House. Hey, guys, wake up. Um, we cannot let this happen again. And that's where we are is we haven't had a medical emergency in a long time.
0: Well, we haven't had a medical emergency, but we've had a political, uh, if you will, uh, emergency for, for three years. And, uh, and we're still paying a high price for it. We also learned a couple of things about our public health agencies, our public health system. That is that we have, in many cases, uh, in most cases across the country, wonderful doctors. We have wonderful hospitals and healthcare. Our public health agencies are preposterously political, and we can't let that happen again. Uh, we have to have some some way to redress all of the shortcomings, all of the the independent uh, imperatives political imperatives within those agencies in my opinion are we're going to be in real trouble if we get into real trouble with another pandemic or uh public health uh, national emergency
1: well uh, concur in uh, on the hor- near term horizon is the international health regulation modifications which are going to be slipped through into uh, the World Health Organization that allows Tedros to declare unilaterally a public uh, a public health emergency globally, and mm-hmm. implement a bunch of activities that bypass uh, sovereignty of nation states. They tried to do this before, and it looks like they've they got pushed back by. Brazil, which, of course, Brazil is different now politically and pushed back by African nations that saved us from that. But remember, that was all pushed by the United States. I have friends from other nation states that I run into from time to time, some of which are associated with intelligence agencies, and they they keep pointing out to me that a lot of these things come back and point at the activities of the United States as much or more as they point to the activities of the CCP. And I'm just gonna leave that there. We, I do think that we've got problems in River City and uh, they are deep and broad and public health has absolutely been weaponized globally. And uh, it has been become a tool for advancing a variety of different agendas. And I think you know exactly what I'm speaking of.
0: Well, I, I, I think I do as well. I, and I, I have to say there isn't anything that touches on public policy that I think hasn't been weaponized uh, by the, the Marxist left in this country. Uh, we are watching uh, these, uh, these, these pockets of resistance just get uh, swallowed up. Uh, we are watching the, pe- the federal government Weaponize every aspect of uh, that, every agency, every part of the government. Education, the point,
1: healthcare, everything.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know at this point, and I'm very serious about this, folks. I don't know if we can roll it back. It's so pervasive, so entrenched, uh, and it is so much uh, more than the Republicans seem to comprehend or want to comprehend or want to do something about. Uh, they're the last best hope for a countervailing influence. Uh, but, uh, that's how stark, I really believe things are
1: right now. Your, your view. You can count the senators that are opposing a lot of these agendas on one hand. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, across both parties, uh, we're, we absolutely have a problem here and, uh, the other thing that we haven't really touched on is this new information that came out of Project Veritas with Pfizer, mm-hmm. but but what that, well, one of the things that was particularly striking was the just kind of bald-faced acceptance and celebration of the fact that the pharmaceutical industry has captured uh, regulations, regulators in uh, throughout HHS and really throughout the world, and coupled with the uh, assertion That this is really the norm across all industries. We saw this with the SEC and uh, with the financial collapse. We saw it with the Supermax and the FAA. We see it in almost every single agency that, that this capture process, wherein federal workers are able to retire, quote unquote, or leave their position, go on a nice vacation in the Bahamas for two weeks and come back and double their salary. And I don't know what we're going to do, Lou, but I think one of the fundamental things we have to do is, is make it a condition of federal employment that uh, you you are not going to be allowed to participate in this revolving door activity. It's in the national interest. This is really a security, national security interest.
0: Yeah, it, it truly is. It's been an issue in Washington D.C. There's a revolving door, so-called, uh, between government service, lobbying firms, uh, big law, uh, and, and then of course, big Wall Street and big business. Uh, it's it's really truly. A corrupt system, and it's so at this point, it's intractable. It is uh, it is entrenched. And again, I am one of those people who I think I know something about business and I know something about politics. Right now, I don't know how to separate the two when it comes to uh, that revolving door and that relationship between the the permanent bureaucracy, so-called, and the the deep state and uh, also our elected officials. Uh, And the and the huge uh, fount of money that is pouring uh, out all over Washington, D.C. It's a tough one.
1: You know, Lou, I'd like to riff off of that because you just touched on business. And uh, one of the things that I think ties us all together, one of the things I think most of us can agree on, except for those that are on the fringe, is that we want to be left alone to do business. At the most fundamental level, we need to have a level landscape with guardrails that allows us to engage in business transactions between uh, interested parties, both nationally and internationally, interstate. That's what we really want. We don't wanna be told what what to believe uh, what our religion should be uh how we should live our lives how we should teach our children what we want is for the bloody government to provide a level playing ground for people that that is you know to ensure best as possible integrity and allow us to engage in business transactions with each other that's kind of what it comes down to and that may seem right-wing I don't know you know it may seem like I'm channeling Milton Friedman. But I really think that's what it comes down to, is we all want to just be able to be left alone and do our business and not have these massive monopolists coming in and buggering everything up.
0: Well, I think that you speak for uh, a great number of people. I don't think you speak any longer for the majority. Uh, I think this country right now is in the grip of government. Uh, There is a dependency on government so vast uh, that, again, that dependency is real. Uh, It has been been, uh, rooted long ago. And now we're going to see, it's going to be a fascinating period of time. Because when you have as many people who depend upon Social Security, depend on Medicare, depend on Medicaid, depend on government contracts, depend on government awards uh this is this is a period the likes yeah. of which we've never yeah. seen
1: before but they but they're about to have a rude awakening i mean the social security fund is almost depleted it's right on our doorstep now um this massive federal debt cannot be sustained and uh i think that uh you know for better or for worse we are heading into a situation where somebody's going to have to pay the piper, and the likes of you and me and the people that are listening to this are are going to have to uh, bear the burden once again uh, for the malfeasance that's gone on and the mismanagement. Yeah, I,
0: I, I no doubt the the price that we're going to be paying is very high. What I can't figure out is how to get out the door without being hit with that bill. Um, <laughs> But I'm working on it. Believe me. Dr. Malone, it is always great to talk with you. I appreciate you being with us. Uh, Come back soon and let's uh, continue our, 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 uh, our philosophical discussion.
1: Thanks, Lou. I always learn from you and I'm glad to go on anytime you want.
0: Dr. Robert Malone, Great American. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Please follow us on LouDobbs.com on Twitter, at Lou Dobbs, on True Social, at Lou Dobbs. And coming up Monday, Congressman James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, on his investigation of President Joe Biden. That's Monday right here on The Great America Show. Please be with us and Congressman James Comer. Till then, have a great weekend. God bless you. And God bless America.